For scripture reading today, I'll be reading from Nehemiah 8, 9, and 10, and John 15, verses 1 through 14. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go on your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And John 15, 1 through 14. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Lord has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for friends. You are my servants, if you do what I command you. You may wonder why Corey's setting up a few chairs. I'm going to have some help this morning uh, bringing home the message. And I want to draw attention to a couple of things that are coming together this morning. The first is that we're starting a new series on joy. And um, a bit ironic that, uh, that the snow appears finally. And uh, I'm not sure how much joy that brings to some people. But the joy is the central theme of the, of the book of Philippians. And it's, it's significant because uh, for a number of tie-ins, um, the youth talked about the theme of the weekend being forgiveness. Uh, and you don't really have forgiveness without some sense of appreciation for the grace of Jesus Christ. And that grace comes in order to be able to restore to us joy, the joy of our uh, salvation, the verse goes from the Old Testament. And we sing a song, Restore to me the joy of my of thy salvation, which is a gift and it's something that comes to us. And so we understand very clearly, both from the, the brochure that you would have gotten on joy, but also um, we understand clearly there is this connection with what this world is about. In fact, all of the gospel can be summed up in this. It is a battle for God to be able to restore to us a victory over the brokenness of sin. In that, we all are ready to hear the relevance of what it means to find joy and what it means 
uh, to experience the difference between despair and brokenness and sinfulness and that through forgiveness we are restored in joy. So we're going to reflect on that this morning. Now let me just introduce this by saying I, I have a couple of things I want to share. First is from Richard Foster who describes holy joy like this. Joy, not grit, is the hallmark of holy obedience. It is cheerful, a cheerful revolt against self and pride. Utter abandonment to God is done freely and with celebration. And so I urge you to enjoy this ministry of self-surrender. The saints throughout the ages have witnessed to this reality. You know, of course, that modern society uh, struggles against this. Now, this is a deep, resonant joy that has been shaped and tempered by the fires of suffering and sorrow. Joy through the cross, joy because of the cross. They're not speaking of a silly, superficial, bubbly kind of joy like that uh, flaunted in the society around us. Uh, The organization Compassion, many of you have heard that. Many of you may have supported Compassion. Sometimes it's also called Compassion International. And in one of their websites, they uh, listed an article uh, in relation to joy. And, and let's just hear this as the focus, and we'll get ready for a few of the youth to come up and help uh, flesh this out a bit more from, from what they heard and from their reflections on these scriptures. Um, in this Compassion International site, it was an article on the difference between joy and happiness. It states, the difference between joy and happiness lives in the mind and heart. Joy is a little word. Happiness is a bigger word. Joy is in the heart. Happiness is on the face. Joy is in the soul. Happiness is of the moment. Joy transcends. Happiness reacts. That's critical there. Happiness is a reaction. Uh, Joy transcends. Joy embraces peace and contentment, waiting to be discovered. Joy runs deep and overflows while happiness hugs hello. I love that. Joy is a practice and a behavior. It's deliberate and intentional. Happiness comes and goes blithely along its way. Joy is profound and scriptural. Don't worry, rejoice. Happiness is a balm. Don't worry, be happy. Compares those phrases. Joy is an inner feeling. Happiness is an outward expression. Joy endures hardship and trials and connects with meaning and purpose. A person pursues happiness but chooses joy. Now, that's the confronting theme this morning is, are we ready to choose joy? Because we know that happiness doesn't bring joy and joy isn't the byproduct of happiness. Joy is something much deeper. And biblically, we know that joy is the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5.22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the fruit of the Spirit. 
So I'm going to invite the youth to come up uh, because I've given them a few questions to reflect on in relation to what we just introduced. Uh, come on up. So you've gotten an introduction to some of their theme, uh, but I've given them a few questions. So the first one is, you know, how can we have joy when bad things are happening to us or around us? It's the first question just to kind of open it up. And uh, anybody ready to share on that one? Thinking about this question, um, like Wes said, joy is a chosen, not necessarily emotion, but inward feeling. And when bad things are happening, I personally, personally feel as though you get joy from reading God's word. And so you have to, when bad things are happening, you can't just set aside God's word. You have to choose the joy of reading God's words, God's promises. So I really think that choosing to read the word um, kind of helps us have joy when bad things are happening. I would say uh, similar things, um, reading God's word and also just time in pr- spending time in prayer, spending time in worship, and yeah, really being intentional about, um, yeah, just really being intentional. Hey, one thing I should have had you do is introduce yourselves. So say who you are and say who your parents are. Uh, I'm Courtney Leinbach, and my parents are Rich and Karen Leinbach. I'm Paige Jacobs. Um, my parents are Seth and Valerie Jacobs. Jacoby Reinhardt. My parents are Marla and Brent Reinhardt. I'm Carson Golden. My parents are Jason and Andrea Golden. Yeah, so, so, you know, bad things are happening all around us. There's always good reasons for why not to be joyful. Any of the reflections, guys, on, on how, uh, how can we choose joy when bad things are happening? Um, I think it's important to understand that the bad things that happen on this earth aren't are only temporary, but we can find joy in knowing that we have eternal life with Jesus, and I think that's just important to keep in mind when bad things are going on in your life. Amen. And it's okay for you to say amen, too. You won't be singled out or asked to preach. This doesn't answer your question, but I just thought, uh, like, if you're eating something good, you can be happy. And if you eat something bad, you can be sad, but you can still be joyful anyway. How how so? uh, Do you want to take us to another level? How can you be happy in that circumstance? Because if you're, like, glad the food is good, you're just happy, but you're joyful because of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Good. Amen. Okay, so... um, what from these scriptures that we shared and that you you were given to just kind of read over, um, what do they tell us about where joy comes from? Have you already answered this? So some of this is going to be duplicate, but uh, any thoughts that that sparks for you? Uh, what do those scriptures tell us about where the joy comes from? Um, it's not of the scriptures that you had, but I looked up some of my own, and Romans fourteen seventeen talks about the kingdom of God not being of eating and drinking, but rather peace and righteousness and joy in the Holy Spirit. So I think that that kind of says that 
joy and peace and things don't come from worldly things in the world, but rather it just comes from staying in with the Holy Spirit and having that resonate inside you. Hmm. I would have to agree with Jacoby. It's Jesus and the Holy Spirit that truly gives us joy. And if we turn our backs from that, then we'll never be able to achieve the joy that um, is talked about in the Bible. Um, it's one of the verses that I read, um, Nehemiah eight ten. do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Yeah. Awesome. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So, um, why is it that so many people who have, uh, everything that they want still don't feel joyful? What? What is that about? People will say, if I could only get to this level, if I could just get this, then I would feel okay. Or if I, I just had this, if God just gave me this, then, then I would be set. I would, I would be thankful and praise God for it. And then everything would be fine. And then they get there and they find that there's an absence. What is that about? I think that people are who have that mindset kind of are idolizing um, the idea of um, money potentially if you're like I just want this and it's a monetary value and they're not getting the point they're not seeing the point that it's not about money it's not about um, worldly things it's finding again the joy in the Bible I feel like a broken record saying that again, but um, the whole idea of money is not everything, and um, I think it's really awesome to see these, like going on missions trips, seeing these people who have literally nothing, but they are joyful, and I think that is um, what we need to bring back to the church, that you know, not everyone is as fortunate as us, but they still find the joy in the little things. Um, I think the monetary value of like things that people want and that they have um, only can bring happiness and not joy, but joy rather comes from like the love of others and the community that you have with other people. Uh, I think that's the only way that you can really find joy. I thought of all the same things as them. I think that you know a couple of things I just want to kind of build on, and not to preempt the the rest of the message necessarily, but I can't help but but say what Jacoby just described is in this theme of all of Philippians, where Paul is writing to this group of people that he clearly has a deep investment in and a bond with, and he describes his joy. One of the primary features of joy that Paul experienced while he was in jail and probably getting beat up and not treated well and, and deprived and all of this, every single reason for loneliness, depression, and struggle. And he was claiming joy. Why? Because of his partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And remember what he said, I think it's in verse 2 of chapter 1, and being confident of this, that he who has began a good work in you shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul was joyful because of his 
companionship in the gospel with this body of believers and their mission. And, and there's something very, very significant about that. Um, and then, you know, I, I loved what Paige was talking about as well in terms of, of just finding a joy that comes from the Holy Spirit, um, that, that that oneness with Christ is the same sort of joy regardless of what's going on around. And it, it reminds us back to the, to the, the fear and trepidation of Peter who gets out of the boat to go walking to Jesus. And it's when he looks at all of that and allows those things to determine his sense of peace and joy and confidence instead of looking at Jesus and, and staying focused on Jesus. Um, any other comments? Uh, there, the last question was similar, and I think you've all already answered it to a degree. How does joy relate to circumstances and feelings? Maybe just ask it this way. How do you overcome the feelings of loneliness, anger, frustration, hurt? Woundedness is a big one. You guys talked about forgiveness a lot this weekend. Um, how does that relate to, to, to joy? Can joy come in without forgiveness happening? That's right. Take your time. Like feelings with like happiness and anger that like changes all the time, like from day to day. But like joy takes time. I don't. Well, it doesn't like just fluctuate. It's either there or not. You think that's what he meant in Nehemiah? The joy of the Lord is my strength. That, that that's something nobody can take away from me. Well, yeah, because he he chose joy and like no one else can do anything about it. Yeah. But other people could probably make him mad. And do everything. Satan will throw all kinds of things to hinder, not just joy, but to keep you from being focused on, on what God has already established and done. I mean, that's the, that's the one question is, do we trust what God has established and done? It's a done deal. Jesus rose from the grave. He's not going back in. And, and that victory is established for us. And so the interesting thing about that phrase, the joy of the Lord is our strength, it actually is saying that joy in the Lord is the power that enables us to go forward and serve and love like Jesus loved. It's not just a passive, oh great, I feel joy. It's no, I feel empowered by joy to be able to have the strength to go out and serve and love. Uh, I won't tell the story, but I had a wonderful testimony shared with this this morning from a sermon I preached so long ago, I'm, I'm too old to remember. No, I remember the sermon. And I remember talking about it. But in any case, it was a testimony of doing something that was unwarranted, clearly, and, and the blessing that it created. The joy of the Lord was what operated in able to see a breakthrough into the darkness and brokenness of someone's life. I, I just want to just give that testimony to say 
The whole point of the joy of the Lord is just not so that we can say, hey, that's great. No, it's to empower us to be able to serve. Any thoughts on that? Reflections on that? Did you feel challenged this weekend to serve? How did, how did you feel challenged to take the joy of the Lord on the road? Um, I think patience is a big one because um, playing catchphrase with Rick is really you got to be patient. Um, <laughs> um, but I guess then you can keep forgiveness for him and uh, let him know that that's not who he is as a person. But... Yeah. Saying that some people actually transform when they play certain games. Is that, yeah. I definitely would have to say that there's things that aren't like necessarily perfect in my life, obviously. And the whole weekend of forgiveness with the things that are going on right now, just like it was such perfect timing and it was such God's timing. And it just really opened my eyes that me not forgiving these people who do me wrong, um, that alters my relationship with Jesus. And um, one of the things that the um, pastor said this weekend was, you know, you can go up to them and ask, like, say, hey, this is, you hurt me. And if they don't forgive you, or if they don't say I'm sorry or whatever, that does not change your relationship with Jesus. Like, as long as you forgive them, they don't necessarily have to forgive you, and you just have to be okay with that. So I think wow. that, Great word. that really impacted me. Yeah, that's neat. Thanks, Paige. Um, I was really encouraged to have, like, a plan when I came back. So, like, this is who I'm going to forgive or talk to about certain things. I think that's important, that, like, to just always be thinking about things you can do um, to forgive someone else. That's awesome, Courtney. I mean, you know, so often we come, we talk about it. It was a nice sermon, or it was a lousy sermon, whatever. Uh, It was a good Sunday school lesson. It was a nice passage. You know, everything is nice and I said, we go home, we do the same thing all over again. And, and basically, I love the fact that you give testimony to saying, okay, how does, how does this make an impact on me to change what I'm going to do going forward? Excellent, excellent. Any last words from anybody? Let's uh, give them thanks for their help. Well, I think you've heard the word this morning. And I just want to summarize by saying, you know, we choose joy by choosing Christ. To choose joy is to replace fear with faith. To choose joy is to choose to believe in God's word. And they've given a wonderful affirmation of that this morning. To choose joy is to choose obedience. You go back and read this passage of the vine and the branches where Jesus was basically saying, if you remain in me and if you obey and follow my commands, and my command is this, that you love each other as I have loved you. 
if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love and your joy will be full and your joy will be complete because you remain in me and are faithful in obedience. And to choose joy is to invest in relationships because of this partnership and this strength that is gained by being together. Um, God is not, Terry Laughlin, a pastor said, God is not interested in our happiness. He's interested in our holiness. What a great, great word for us this morning. And just finally, one other thing, I just close with this, um, with this story, but um, the, um, the, the thing about uh, joy is that it is also that which gives us uh, victory uh, and gives us the strength to go forward. And uh, there was a, one of Napoleon's generals uh, suddenly appeared with 18,000 men before an Austrian town uh, during this war. And um, this town was a simple little mountain village, no means of defense, no military, nothing. Had absolutely no way to protect itself from this army of soldiers. And the town council had nearly decided to go ahead and surrender when the old dean of the church reminded them it was Easter. And he begged them to hold services as usual and to leave the trouble in God's hands. This they did. They worshiped. And the French army, hearing the church bells ringing, joyfully concluded that the Austrian army had come to leave the place and to quick, and they immediately broke camp and left because they assumed that this rejoicing in the middle of being conquered was a presence. In fact, people, it was a presence. It was the presence of the living God. That proclaiming joy is a weapon that we have in the darkness of this world. May we continue to go forward, holding out and rejoicing for the things that this world can't change. The grace and love of Jesus Christ. Amen? Thank you. Let's praise God in a closing song.